Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here as always by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. We've made it through a week. Uh, week one down, the 16 and... Uh, 17. And, well, no, 16 more to go. <laughs> and then the playoffs and it's that another half of the year we, we still have, but we made it through the first week. I think that's important. Uh, we're still here. That's good. Um, there, I feel like there were points on Sunday where you know, we were just talking the, the, the first Sunday of actually sitting down. We kind of talked about it last week, about how we were prepping for it. Um, I am not yet in game shape. Uh, I did not show up to training camp in the best, uh, best shape of my life. I think I need to uh, work my way into, uh, into playing shape uh, a little bit as, as we uh, start getting into some longer Sundays here. But uh, we, we made it heading into week two. How are you feeling? I feel good. Yeah. Like you said, just getting your body adjusted to like watching TV for that long uh, is, is that first week, the little calibration, but I thought the week one couldn't have gone really a, a lot better. I thought the games were excellent uh, pretty much from front to back. We started with a great Thursday night game and we kind of closed with a, with a really filling feel a thrilling Monday night close. You know, that game wasn't like aesthetically the, the greatest, but it was fun, you know? And so, I mean, we had a really like a Browns chiefs was excellent. A lot of really good games. Uh, we can talk about some of the things that we were looking for in week one. I mean, my biggest thing coming into week one was kind of really just kind of focused on these, these new coordinators and these new schemes, how the, the new pieces were going to fit, how, what coaches were going to have an edge. And I thought that there were a lot of positives to come away, especially from Brandon Staley and Nick Sirianni uh, in week one. Uh, but we can get into the weeds on some of that, but it was a great week one. I thought it really couldn't have got off to a much better start. Yeah. And as you said, one of the interesting things was, you know, we did get a, a nice, bookend the good first game uh interesting i uh, to say the least i think that's the way to uh describe the monday night game uh d- interesting uh and then we somehow get saddled week two starting with giants washington <laughs> uh and then ending with uh lions packers so uh, there we go they the nfl switched that schedule up on us uh real quick uh so before we get into uh, the games this week, I just want to remind you that you know Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis, betting information. Right now, you can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. If you use the code SHARP25, 25% off any product site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. So let's just let's dive into uh, some of the upcoming games this week. And in, in that we'll talk about some of the things we saw uh, from last week. Uh, do we want to touch on the Thursday real quick? Um, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Daniel Jones, say, yeah. Taylor Heineke. Here we go. The quarterback showdown uh, we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I mean, it's from, from a betting perspective, you look at the giants. I mean, what their last nine games have gone under the game total nine of their, nine of their past 12. Uh, it's, it's an NFC showdown. It's, I mean, Tyler Hanke, I feel like is not even really like a massive downgrade in terms of like production that you could get. I think that Washington's offense still is going to look probably similar to how it would have been. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think the big thing is a lot of people just expect Washington to sign Cam Newton. And I don't think that that's fully in the cards yet, but if Heineke doesn't play well, maybe it opens the door a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just subjecting the national TV audience to the Giants offense this early in the season is, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Um, I just want to highlight this, uh, a couple play 
uh, sequence from the Giants <laughs> game uh, on Sunday. 43-yard pass to Darius Slayton. It was a nice deep pass from Daniel Jones. Um, they got down the sideline into opposing territory. They followed that up with a six-yard loss on a Kadarius Tony jet sweep. Um, the mo- just the most obvious play as soon as that guy came into the game and went in motion. Uh, it blown up in the backfield. Uh, the next play was a one-yard loss on a Devontae Booker run. Uh, and then a uh, incomplete six-yard pass on third and 17. Then they took an intentional delay of game on fourth and 17 to give their punter more space. And then they punted for a touchback. Like that's you know, that series right there is just what the Giants are right now. So we, all I uh, see is that picture of Jason Garrett hanging out of the train with that smile on his face. So I, yeah, I, I tweeted something about the Giants like a while ago, uh, talking about some of their training camp stuff. It was when they like had those two practices that were uh, like all they did were fades and screens, and it was just like, what, what are you doing? And uh, I think that that tweet uh, went a little viral, and so I just had like twenty five replies that were just that photo. <laughs> I do. It's one of my favorite little meme uh, football memes that people have going. And they did that when the Giants got into the red zone. The couple times they did, they ran really suboptimal plays in the red zone. So we saw that everything they practiced uh, came came to light. Uh, I was pretty disappointed in just their, their tackling effort, especially you know they made Teddy Bridgewater look like an escape artist back there. Uh, but we're we're in the weeds here on uh, Thursday night football. Uh, those there are more exciting games on the docket. So I, I apologize to you and my son who's a Giants fan and all our Giants fans out there they're going to be subjected through this uh 2021 season <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's just it's not going to be fun um so yeah let's let's dive into some more interesting games absolutely um let, where do we want to start I want to start uh it's a late game but I want to start Dallas Chargers let's just okay. it. let's go man let's do it highest game total of the week could be just amazing but I'd want to start just with the Chargers head because I want to start with some of these guys that you know, I was looking at these new coaching staffs and I thought the Chargers were a team that really kind of you know hit the ground running in terms of maybe maybe it's just because we've been su- subjugated to you know Anthony Lynn uh the last couple years with the Chargers offense especially last year where they were one of the most efficient you know inefficient offenses running the ball on first downs they ran a lot of plays because they ran a lot of inefficient run plays when you're running for two yards you have to run more plays um <laughs> sure. but you, you know you go against this Washington front I thought they had just had a tremendous game plan right away you know Joe Lombardi their game plan was to get the ball to Justin Herbert's hands really quickly uh he he had the fourth fastest time to throw in the NFL in week one. And they really kind of utilized the, the quick passing game. They had big Mike in a real role. It's the first time we've seen Mike Williams in like an actual non just tertiary, just lid lifting be forced to catch 50, 50 ball rolls. Uh, I was really, really intrigued by what we saw from the chargers in week one and Justin Herbert still got away with it. You know, he, he still just lived on third down passing, uh, which is what he did as a rookie. So maybe there's just no regression to be had here. Uh, But once he starts to get more efficient early downs, I mean, there's a takeoff period for this chargers offense that could really happen. And it could happen really this week against this Cowboys defense. We missing some really key elements and already is not good heading in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was the one thing oh, we saw here was that the, anything we saw from the Cowboys defense that we thought might improve a little bit, there were some flashes, uh, right? But that I think 
that's what we've seen from the Cowboys. We've seen flashes then when you have to put it together, uh, especially, you know, against a, a team like Tampa Bay that just runs like nine deep at wide receiver. Uh, they just is and at tight end. And now without DeMarcus Lawrence, um, I think that's, that's going to be huge because he's really their only pass rusher. I think one of the interesting things we can see right now is if Mika Parsons kind of moves to full-time pass rusher, I'm not sure if that's something they're going to consider, but that might be, their best case scenario, considering they have 18 linebackers that they were trying to get on the field uh, with right. Parsons <laughs> and, and Keanu Neal playing a linebacker. And those were the two main linebackers, the guys they had last year, uh, Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. They only played a, a couple of snaps. Um, they were rotating in, but they played significantly fewer snaps than uh, Parsons and Neal. So maybe if you get Parsons um, in the in a more traditional pass rusher role, uh, you can get him using his strength uh, a little bit more. You can get him out of coverage, which I think is going to help that defense uh, a little bit too. So I'm interested to see if they play with that uh, a little bit on Sunday, uh, just because that might be the only answer they have. But yeah, when you go back to the Chargers, um, you know, like you said, it was just completely Justin Herbert doing crazy uh, Justin Herbert thinks he was only 18 for 31 for 177 yards on first and second down when passing that was 5.7 yards per attempt mm-hmm. and then on third down 10 yards per attempt right so like you you can't live that way but they kind of can because the ways they had things on third down it was there were just play designs where they use really good route combinations to get some well fairly quick open windows and then Herbert was just putting the ball in a place where only a receiver uh could catch it and it happened a couple times to Keenan Allen happened a couple times to, to Mike Williams they're just they're doing things that were really well it looked like their play designs were so much better suited on third down so I think if they bring that to first and second down a little bit more um yeah I think that'll start to open up that offense uh, a little bit but yeah I mean it, it's hard to look at statistically and go, there's no way they can continue what they're doing on third down, especially with the lack of success on first and second down. But then you actually look at what Herbert is doing on third down. It's just like, yeah, sure. I believe this is going to continue like forever just because it's, it's so, he's, he was so good on those third downs. Like I think it was average 1.8 EPA per throw on third down. That's insane. That's insane. Um, added almost two points per throw on on third down so um obviously we want to see a little more success on those early downs but man what they were doing there um is going to be interesting and i think they they did some fun things on defense right it was another place where we're not totally sure how successful this defense is going to be in the first year under Brendan Saley just because of the talent they have uh but I think again they were doing some really interesting things you know Derwin James was all over the place again so fun to see him be healthy um Asante Samuel Jr. was really good uh in that game so and I'm interested to see how Dallas is going to react now with Michael Gallup out I mean Cedric Wilson is fun uh and I think they were you know doing some good things with uh moving CD Lamb around um so Mm -hmm. we'll see if they can you know continue uh, doing that and, and I think what we'll see is if Dallas is going to you know adopt this pass heavy uh, type of the offense like we're talking about you know they realized against Tampa Bay they could not run at all uh, and so they were extremely pass heavy is that something where we just kind of figure this is what Dallas is going to be the best at so they're going to continue to do it I think that is 
uh, something to watch during this game. We'll kind of see the back and forth because if the Chargers are going to play in that Brandon Staley, we're going to have the white box and we're going to dare you to run. I'm real interested to see the push and pull there that they're going to have with the Dallas offense. Yeah, I mean, no Leal Collins now, too, in this game. Dallas has been a team that has been forced to go pass heavy in the past, you know, the, with the sample with Dak Prescott last season. But week one was definitely cognizant of a game plan. You know, they, they you know, Calamore did say they called runs that they checked out of. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sent a lot of blitzes, and they said they loaded the box a lot. Even when the Cowboys ran, Zeke ran into the eight-plus eight defender boxes at the highest rate. Uh, of any guy in week one so even when they did run it it wasn't in favorable situations against unfavorable defense I am curious though because you know Dak and this Cowboys offense you know going back to last year has been so on fire in terms of just raw production numbers but if you go back the one game that Dak did not really essentially play well or put up a lot of numbers was the week one game last year when he faced the Rams Brandon Staley's you know defense a year ago so I am curious to see if there's it, it could be something it could be nothing but you know it does uh, you know, does this Brandon Staley impact? Does he roll over anything that the Rams had success with in stopping this offense? I mean, you have different personnel. You know, when you have Jalen Ramsey to throw out those wide receivers, he makes makes some extra different plays. And so you have Aaron Donald, but you know, the Chargers still have individual playmakers or individual components on this defense that are very good still. Although, like the, the whole unit isn't as good as of what Brandon Staley had and what he, they were running and with the Rams last year. Uh, so I am curious to see if there is any rollover. Like with that, does that Week One of last year? Uh, the success that the Rams defense had does does he bring anything over and throw some wrinkles at the Cowboys then Leal Collins being out too is that another thing that you know has an impact on this game Uh, you know the the, the Cowboys just can't seem to get all three of those guys in the field man Leal Collins Zach Martin and and Tyron Smith Uh, Tyron Smith looked really good again though that he was back he looked you know last year even the little bit he played just something wasn't right about him Uh, but he looked really good on on Thursday so it's nice to see him back Uh, Dak was what did you think about Dak? I mean, Dak was kind of a mixed bag. I thought like he 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 lacked a little a little zip, but I thought he still pro- played really well. I'm a little bit worried. He didn't seem as mobile, and maybe that's just a byproduct of the you know the ankle, and you just get it's going to be like a, a mount up period. Uh, but I thought that that's a component the Cowboys' offense still needs from that you know him. Yeah, it kind of felt like it was one of those things where he like he ramped himself up. I think throughout the game, I think. Yeah, at, at the start of the game, it was uh, a little hesitant. There were, you know, some of those passes were, were floated a little bit. Uh, and then I, I think he, you know, played a little better. Uh, and I think he got a little more zip as the game went on. Still, I don't think as much zip as, you know, he had in, in previous years. But he's just so good mentally. I think he was, you know, winning these snaps before he was getting to the line. Uh, so I think he, he knew what he wanted to do. And like you said, the, the way they game planned, uh, he was getting the ball out so quickly to eliminate that pass rush. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of chance for, you know, him to go down or have to really move in the pocket. And we saw that a little bit, you know, well, later in the game when they had to have some of those plays develop down in the field a little more, he was hanging in the pocket uh, a little more, but he was still able to hang in the pocket. He was willing to do that. But then we also saw, you know, Vita Vea just completely blowing up the pocket and being in his face on, on a couple of those plays. So I think there's, you know, uh, there was, there was a, a give and take there. I think just the, the mental processing of where he knew where he wanted to go with the ball. I think they had a very clear place of where they wanted to pick. And that was, you know, on Sean Murphy bunting when he was, you know, uh, in that game early. Uh, and then they, they kind of picked whoever was, you know, isolated to that, that one side. Uh, it didn't really matter uh, who it was later in the game. So I think they just had a, a really good game plan. So I am interested to see how they're going to do it, you know, with a, a Joey Bosa now with, you know, that edge rush on the outside. Chargers don't have a 
quite as good as an interior. Obviously, I mean, barely anyone has as good of an interior as the Tampa Bay uh, with Via and, and Sue and, you know, all those other guys, they were, you know, rotating in on the interior. Uh, I think, you know, Tillery's you know, a little fun on the inside, but I don't think the the pressure is going to be coming up the middle as often uh, as it was against Tampa. So uh, I'm interested to see if they, you know, will let some routes develop a little more down the field, let Dak stay in the pocket a little more and maybe test out that arm a little bit. And I, I think that's, you know, uh, something we we might see uh, in this game uh, going forward. Yeah. And, you know, the, I thought the Cowboys had a great game plan and, you know, outside of Mike McCarthy, a couple fourth downs probably cost them that game. They could have stole one. They did get a lot of turnover luck. You know, the Bucks really could have won that game easily by double digits without a couple fluky plays, like the Godwin touchdown uh, fumble, and then you know the, the Leonard Fournette you know tip screen that kind of opened up another score. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, Mike McCarthy was credited for the worst you know decision, you know, not kicking a field goal on, on a fourth down in that game. Uh, I did retweet an article on my timeline from Henry Bushnell of Yahoo that Week One was the it had the most. Uh, fourth down go for it decisions in, in league history in a single week so you know we've got a little moral victory in week one of the NFL season outside of Mike McCarthy kicking that field goal yeah there we go it's <laughs> it's happening and the, the the weird thing is McCarthy has been a, a pretty good fourth down uh decision maker um that was kind of one of the things you know we if we were going into last year when we if we were talking ourselves into mike mccarthy and i I wrote the dallas cowboys chapter in the football outsiders almanac heading into the 2020 season and it was like the offense is is a little stale you would hope kellen moore takes over a little bit and i think we now saw that more in the first game of 2021 than we did all of 2020 really um but mccarthy was you know fairly aggressive on fourth downs uh, coming into his cowboys tenure and then that hasn't really happened yet so uh if he can get back to that and we're having still a really well game planned like kellen moore offense i i still think there's potential for this uh this cowboys team but uh we'll 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 see if uh that's something that's really going to take hold or if mccarthy is just kind of this guy who's you know going to uh turtle up uh in a shell with some of these decisions all right so uh let's move on uh I want to talk about Buffalo and Miami because uh, these were two fairly interesting teams uh, that were going into uh, week two. Uh, Buffalo, man, no, I think we kind of talked about the the Josh, Josh Allen regression that might be coming. And uh, I, I don't want to say it hit, but he did not look as good as he did it in the 2020 season against the Steelers. And I think a, a lot of that was just, I think due to the Steelers, right? I don't think a lot of that was Josh Allen. They were able to get pressure uh, without blitzing a, a whole lot. And I think when you're able to do that against any quarterback, you're, you're going to find success on defense. So I'm not completely worried uh, about Josh Allen uh, too much going forward. Um, but we'll see, because I think the Dolphins are going to blitz uh, a little more. So we'll see if, you know, Buffalo can take advantage of, you know, some of those open, uh, some open spaces that might be left when, when there's a blitzer coming. And then on, on the Miami side, um, I think they were again, doing some interesting things and I, I'm excited to see how this offense is going to develop, right? There wasn't like a huge Jalen Waddle 
game plan, but they used him in a lot of ways that I think are going to be opened up as the season progresses. He was used on, on a bunch of jet sweeps. Um, you know, a lot of jet motion kind of opened up uh, some other places uh, in that passing game. I, I remember there was uh, one, I think on a, on a third down, uh, they motioned Waddle um, you know, on a, a jet motion, kind of had him run like a little swing out of that. And it pulled the Patriots uh, cornerbacks to the side and it opened up a slant for Devonte Parker. Uh, and that was like for, you know, 14 yards or so. And so I think there's, there's a lot of uh, cool things that the, um, the Dolphins offense uh, is going to be doing. And I think uh, as we get Will Fuller uh, potentially back now for week two, I'm really interested to see what maybe like a, a fully formed uh, Dolphins offense is going to be. Yeah, this game uh, could be a lot of fun. These teams have played in a lot of shootouts, you know, of late. The past five times these teams have played, it's gone over the game total uh, with 52 or more points in all of those games. And we talked about it uh, with Josh Allen. And, you know, the one bugaboo he still had last three, even with his breakout, was under pressure. He still did a lot of the old Josh Allen things. And if you can, it doesn't matter who the quarterback, if it's Josh Allen, if it's Joe Montana, you know, if it's Peyton Manning, if you're going to get home without blitzing, I could say it's just a problem. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like in the, in the Steelers didn't blitz and those guys just wrecked up front. Uh, so, you know, they generated pressure on almost half of Josh Allen's dropbacks without blitzing, like you said. So, I mean, it, if you can always consistently get home with four in uh, no matter what we saw that in the Super Bowl, right. With the, with the, put the Buccaneers, you can get home with four. Uh, it's going to put a, put a, a big problem to any offense. Uh, so I mean, we saw that happen with Buffalo. I'm very curious this game, and I'm sure we'll talk about Chiefs Ravens. If, these two, de- these defenses alter what they do to scheme up the offense they're going to face because Josh Allen has wrecked Brian Flores. Uh, he has been excellent against him because one thing the Ra- the not the Ravens, the, the Dolphins do is they blitz a ton, but they don't always generate pressure with blitzes. Uh, Miami had the second highest blitz rate last year. They had the second highest blitz rate in week one. This is what they do. But in the two matchups against the Dolphins last year, they blitzed Josh Allen 28 times. They only created pressure on eight of those blitzes. And against the blitz, Josh Allen was 19 of 27, uh, 11.2 yards per pass attempt and four touchdowns against the Dolphins when they blitzed. So, I mean, you've got to get home because if you know, if you blitz, Dean Pease is going to live this life a lot. Uh, If you blitz and you don't get there, uh, you're going to give up big plays. The old Greg Williams, you know, corollary, right? Like we've done this forever. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we we saw that with... The Ravens. On... I know we were going to get there too. Yeah, the Ravens yeah. lost that game because they refused to alter their defense in on Monday night. Well, that was one of the things, right? You, if you're going to do that, you can build your defense that way, but you have to have the corners to do it. And mm-hmm. without Marcus Peters for the Ravens, right, it's much easier to do. It's much easier to have those cover zero blitzes and do that at a high rate, especially in like game on the line situations when you have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, when you only have one of those corners and you're still trying to figure out what the rest of the cornerback group is going to be. And you're still trying to figure out the rest of that secondary, uh, it's it's much harder uh, to win that way. So yeah, I, I think we are seeing that uh, a little bit here. But I think you know Miami, they they do have the corners. So mm-hmm. uh, and they have some of these guys who can you know create pressure, who are really good uh, at blitzing. So I think we're going to you know continue to see that. Like Andrew, uh, you know Andrew Van Ginkle is a guy I like a lot. Uh, who you I, are the you Van know, Ginkle fan club? I am. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Just from like what he did uh, in college going into the role he's continued uh, to throw out here, rushed on 14 of his 21 pass snaps. Uh, Sports Info Solutions had him with 
five pressures. Uh, so I think that's just uh, the type of thing where they're getting guys who can rush off the edge, but I think just the way they have a lot of their pressure structures, um, you know, it's definitely going to be different than what we saw Pittsburgh do uh, in week one, but I think there are some ways they can get home. And if they can do that, I think it'll be real interesting to see, you know, whether uh, this Josh Allen uh, we saw under pressure is going to continue, or if it's something they can, you know, take advantage of Um, because, you know, they were still trying to push the ball down the field. And I think that's going to that might be a little harder uh, against Miami uh, again. Uh, so and, what do you think uh, about the bills? Uh, it looks like they're going to run even more four wide receiver sets this year. They were in, they, they ran four wide receivers at 35% of their pass plays uh, in week one. The, the Cardinals were at 26% and then nobody else was even like remotely in the ballpark of those two teams. But, yeah, we had uh, them, <laughs> we had them charted at, at five wide uh, on 13%. Um, and it, yeah, <laughs> uh, three other teams went one play each, uh, and the bills were 10 plays at 13% of their plays. So I, yeah, they are just completely abandoning the tight end. Uh, they're completely ba- abandoning, uh, some of their running backs when they do that. So yeah, they're, they're spreading out even more. And I think when you have the wide receivers that they do, I think you can do that. Uh, you're going to have to trust trust Josh Allen to be uh, a little more, you know, that, that mental processing has to be, uh, I think a little quicker uh, when you are running uh, that, those type of formations. And I, I think we'll con- you know continue to see that progress for him too. Uh, I'm not too worried about Josh Allen, uh, even no. after, you know, what we saw uh, in week one, I just think that's, that's a Pittsburgh is still going to be a really good defense. And again, like I said, when you get pressure uh, with Ford, it's going to make any quarterback's job uh, a lot harder. Uh, and, and that's what they did. So um now, I'm again interested to see the the development of the the Brian Dable, uh, and and where this is going. Like, are can they continue to live in like four and five wide? I think that's going to be real interesting, and I, I uh, that's one of the things I really want to watch against this game. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line has got to play better if they're going to do it. And you know, you're not going to face you know TJ Watt every weekend either. But th- that offensive line has to be better because we live this with the Bengals a little bit, and the Bengals are a far inferior talent-wise offensive line. But with Joe Burrow's rookie season, you know, if you're going to go empty and you're not going to have all these you know you know all these guys that can help you in pass protection, I mean, you you've got to have a quarterback that that can that get that mental processing, get the ball out, and make right decisions. So I mean, they, they kind of ran into the, a lot of inefficiency in Week One, so it's going to be see how they it's been really interesting to see how they handle it because like you said i don't really think that the dolphins are going to adjust they're going to do what they do yep. um and, and throw some exotic looks at them but i mean it has not impacted josh he's like said even going back for the last four meetings like he's roasted them so it, it's going to be a real interesting game and it's going to be hot in miami uh, all these early season miami games are always they always have potential to kind of shoot out i think that these two teams played early in the season last year and i know i think byron jones was out for that game but uh, they ended up shooting out in that game too so there's a lot of upsets and that was the game where they put um the rookie on stefan diggs all game and it was just a massacre. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it's like uh, they just didn't adjust. They let they just let him die on Stefan Diggs like the entire game. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it and it wasn't even like the the Belichick where we're going to put our number two on your number one and shade the safety. No, nope. it was it was and we're we're going to blitz and we're going to play a lot of man and uh, hope for the best. And, and that did not work. But I think they'll they'll adjust a little bit. I don't I don't think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're probably going to see a, a decent amount of Xavier Howard on. Uh, on Stefan Diggs uh, in this matchup. Um, so let's let's move on here. 
All right, roll uh, it in. Let's just roll it into that Ravens conversation because okay. they're, this is a team that's played Patrick Mahomes three times. These teams, have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson, we want to build this rivalry, but it, it can't be a rivalry unless the Ravens counterpunch, right? Like the Ravens have to beat the Chiefs for us to kind of like works always excited for these games, but the Chiefs have thoroughly won these games. They, the two years ago, the game went to overtime and the other two games really haven't been all that close. The Chiefs have just kind of dominated them and it's because the Ravens, just send heat at Patrick Holmes for no reason. I mean, we did this show last year uh, and talked about it and they just keep sending heat and Patrick Holmes, like the way we've kind of talked about, we've talked to the Chiefs offense at nauseum, but the death by paper cuts is like the approach that you want to take. You want to make them beat you with 12 plays instead of one uh, because you might get a shot at a mistake. You might get a fluky turnover, uh, but the Ravens are just like, nah, we're good. We're going to just sort of send heat at you. They, they've blitzed Mahomes on 45% of his dropbacks, uh, the three meetings that they faced him. And he's completed 76% of his passes, 8.8 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, no interceptions when they blitzed him, uh, just completely roasted them. And we saw against Derek Carr on Monday night, like the Ravens just are going to do what they're going to do. They, they cost themselves the game because they were just spamming mid blitz cover zero. Uh, and, and, you know, that kind of cost them and gave up chunk plays and they needed to be giving up chunk yards late in that game. Uh, after playing three quarters of pretty solid defense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we saw the Browns did the Browns didn't send any heat really at Patrick Mahomes. They, they gave up some, some big plays, but they were able to live, you know, there was a couple plays the Browns defense could have actually made, uh, you know, for to, to create some turnovers in week one. And if they don't have the, the drop punt, maybe they outright win that game, but you can't just let the chiefs score on you in, you know, three to five play drives. No, no, you can't. And that was, you know, that the one, uh, Chiefs had that 75 yard uh, touchdown pass where like the, the Browns did things well. And then, you know, the chiefs had, had that motion that kind of puts Tyree kill on Josh, uh, John Johnson and, you know, started John Johnson. Like he did all he can. You like, you can't be asking him to be running with Tyree kill for as long as he did. And he, really played that that play as well as he right. could have uh and then Patrick I think after the game Patrick Mahomes said he didn't even know where Tyreek Hill was he just kind of put it up and was like he's gonna come down with it and like he did and he put the ball in a place where like Hill was able to change direction and run after the catch for that insane play but yeah you, you're right you just you that's what we saw with against the chiefs a lot we saw that we talked about it so many times too high uh, make them you know throw to travis kelsey make them uh have some runs dump it off a little more have extend that game don't yeah don't let them have those one and two and three play drives uh that are going for 80 yards and a touchdown um but then you know, because we saw how often like they can do that. We continue to talk about whether, you know, the Chiefs just like have this extra gear that they can pull out. And, you know, sometimes they do. Uh, but I think you you want to put them in a position where uh, they're not they don't have the ability to do that. Um, so and but that's like you said, it's just not the game the Ravens play. Uh, they want to bring that pressure because they they don't really have another option. Right. Like the mm-hmm. way that front seven is set up, like they have to blitz, um, you know, they have Justin Houston. Now they have you know, some guys who can win off the edge on their own, but they're just set up to bring that blitz. That's, you know, what the, the, the Bowsers and, and the guys like that. And, you know, in previous years, you know, the Judons, they're getting pressure by 
uh, either coming unblocked because there's so many other players coming uh, and, and that's how they're doing it. And then you have these corners who can lock down in man coverage, but and now you're, now you're down corners. You have Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the best corners in the game, but now you have a lot of question marks outside of that. Uh, you know, Tavon Young has been a really good nickel corner when he's been on the field, but he hasn't really played in two years. We saw him get picked on a little bit in, in that Raiders game. I think he'll, you know, he'll get better, uh, but I think he's still, you know, working his way into what he was in, in the first couple of years of his career. Uh, and then you're just kind of going down the line with the rest of those Ravens corners. And they just they don't have a secondary right now that has the ability to play the way they thought they were structured to play. Right. So right now you're, uh, who are you even you know, playing with at court? And you have Anthony Everett right now. Uh, if Jimmy Smith is able to play, uh, which he wasn't on Monday night, I think that helps a little bit, but again, that's then only two corners and like, the Ravens are a team that still should be going like four or five corners deep, which they have been in the past. That's when they've been successful. And they just, right now they're, they're not structured in that way because of the injuries. And I'm not totally sure if they have a way to adapt. Yeah. I mean, one thing that stuck out, I think from week one, and it's something, you know, I, I, I kind of noted was like kind of cognizant of coming in the year, but there is not a lot of deep secondaries in the NFL. And there is a clear deficiency. Uh, some teams are just holding the bag right now. Yeah. And like in terms of secondary play and some teams were able to get away with it for a week, like the Cardinals, but there is a clear like gap in like the amount of viable cornerbacks there are across the NFL right now. And it, I think that's definitely played a role into some of this elevation of scoring that we've had this big scoring boon outside of the rules and other elements that play into it. Because there are a lot of teams that just are really, really thin on the back end. And uh, the Ravens are one of those teams. And they, they're going to have to adjust to this. They have to, they're going to have to do something uh, to, to kind of calibrate. And offensively, they did not play well uh, at all. You know, Lamar just never really looked like really comfortable in that game. Uh, they did the running game just wasn't really good. And, you know, they're, they've, they're on, you know, it's not their fault. They've had, you know, multiple injuries, you know, their, their top three running backs get hurt. They've got undrafted guy and Tyson Williams, you know, kind of in there, they, like the, the mesh, the mesh point on the RPOs like never look comfortable, right? Like there was a kind of a lot of mistakes there. They just bring Latavius Murray off the street. Like, and then um, the offensive line again, last year, Lamar, if you look at, you know, his pressure rates from where he was his first two years to last year in a sack rate, uh, it took a massive spike last year. And we said, oh, well, they lost a lot of injuries. But then, you know, you, you, you get Ronnie Stanley back, but you trade Orlando Brown. Um, it, and it was a problem. I mean, the Raiders defensive line gave them trouble in that game, uh, especially in the second half of that game. So, I mean, the, the Ravens offense also did not inspire a lot of confidence as much as their defensive approach was, too. Uh, I mean, this is a game at a three and a half points is still all it's at. I mean, it, it, I know it's in Baltimore, but we saw the Chiefs go in Baltimore on Monday night. We got the Ravens on a short week. I mean, Baltimore is going to have to really do a 180 for what I saw on the field Monday night to be able to hang with the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, offense, defense, nothing really was impressive on the Baltimore side in week one. But it was week one, and it is a smart, you know, coaching staff that we should have faith in given their history. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a little little tricky to kind of walk through this matchup and see a lot of objective angles that came out positively for the Ravens in week one and how they can slow down the Chiefs in week two. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, when you have Lamar Jackson, I think that you, you're you going to have a chance in pretty much every game because, mm -hmm. like you saw it with his you know, uh, rushing touchdown, like it, 
he's insane. Like he just, he has answers uh, for, for questions that, that really like aren't even asked. He's just like, is, is just pull, pulling out things that are insane when, when he needs to. Um, so. Uh, and Spags but, has given him trouble too. He's not really right. been good in these games against Spags. Spags has kind of had his number a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, I mean, obviously, Tyron Matthew being mm-hmm. back is going to be huge uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, they were, you can tell, like he's he's kind of the guy that defense revolves around. They can do a lot of things in the secondary um, when when he's in there because he plays so many roles. He's the best corner on the team. He's the best safety on the team. He's the best linebacker on the team. Um, and when he's not there, I think you saw, kind of saw some of those weaknesses that the Browns were able to exploit. Uh, and having him back, I think, opens up a lot more of what uh, Kansas City's secondary uh, can do. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a fun game. So, um, but we'll see. Yeah, but the, the, we're just going to have to see a, a couple of adjustments from the Ravens on both sides of the ball for it to... Uh, be as close as we would probably like it to be as viewers. Um, Watching that week one game, did you come away? I know it's just one game, but given the way the Browns played the, them last year in the playoffs, I mean, if you had to pick a team in the AFC that could really kind of potentially beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, I mean, would the Browns be the favorite at this point? Yeah, I mean, I because we've seen them, they've shut down Lamar three times in a row. They they mopped the Bills both times they played last year. Uh, yeah, I mean the the thing is, and I wrote about this in first ten. The the Browns did just about everything they could have done, and it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, which uh, I mean has to be demoralizing. But uh, uh, yeah, I think they they played really well. I think they have you know that ability when they were running the ball really well, I think they, they figured out how to take advantage of some of the aggressiveness of uh, the chiefs defense. And I think that helped them on the ground a little bit. I think Baker played Baker played great. Um, I tweeted uh, right until bef- the end. <laughs> right be- I tweeted right before that interception, like no matter what this last drive was like Baker's been playing real well. Yeah. I think he had the top uh, completion percentage over expectation uh, heading into that drive. I was like, no matter what happens in this drive, like Baker's played really well. <laughs> and then, yeah. I mean, and then it was terrible. terrible yeah. But... It was bad. I, I don't think that's something he would, you know, do again, uh, but I think they've, they've really, you know, figured out, some things they want to do on offense that are working really well. There was a lot more Anthony Schwartz uh, in that game than I really thought there would be. But I, like I, uh, you know, I wrote during uh, the offseason after the draft, like we're getting these speed guys that you don't necessarily need them to be great wide receivers right now to have an impact They're You're using them as the jet guy. You're using them as that motion guy that that's pulling things away from other players. Uh, and I think that's, that's helping to open things up. Like, the, the Browns offense didn't really have that last year. They didn't have that jet guy that they could use, you know, some of that misdirection with. And I think Schwartz is, is going to be that guy, even though, uh, you know, I, I wasn't super high on him as a receiver, but I think the way they're using him is going to be good. Um, you know, you still have, uh, we saw some of the tight ends that come back that tune really nice plays to David Njoku. And I think that that could be a way to, uh, if you're going to exploit Kansas city uh, and eventually they're going to get Odell Beckham back. Maybe. <laughs> uh so who knows and I, but i think well, you know I mean, there's having... no reason to rush him back against the texans right yeah <laughs> yeah I, th- I think that makes sense if he wasn't going to play week one yeah you, you don't need to to push it in week two uh, although you know texans just might be the best team in the nfl right now who hey knows? man i tried to talk you into them being able to pull off that upset it wasn't even a contest 
Um, but I will say if you watch like, cause Tyron had some insane plays in that game, there's no way like he can live that way. Like he was, he was getting away from pressure, which is awesome, but he was just like throwing the ball in the double and triple coverage and Brandon cooks was coming down at them. Our guys are making a one-handed catch, uh, as fun as it was for one week. I mean, there's, there's, that's not going to be sustainable. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, 85 uh, year old Mark Ingram getting like 25 carries a game, probably not going to continue either um all right so let's move on uh another game i want to talk about is uh, saints and panthers so the saints greatest team uh greatest offense james winston here we go like that's what we want i mean i <laughs> wrote about it like no quarterback has ever thrown five touchdowns with fewer passing yards <laughs> so, but i mean they they did some things you know really well he was able to he didn't make any mistakes that's kind of what we're hoping for with Jameis Winston. So those highs were there. Uh, yeah. I, the, the defense is something that was, that certainly stood out the way they were able to kind of get to Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think the, the saints could just continue to be frisky. And I think that that'll be interesting to watch for them uh, going forward. Yeah, may I cope a little bit? You know, Saints are a team I was down on, you know, but, you know, definitely the, the pieces that are good on the Saints, and we saw it, that we know their offensive line is good, and now they're going to be missing Eric McCoy for a little bit, and we know that the defense front is good. And the, both those things kind of really had an impact in, in week one. Uh, they really didn't do anything on offense, right? Like, it was very vanilla. It was control the ball, don't make mistakes, uh, let the Packers kind of play us into this, you know, good game script. And it was kind of what we saw any other time Drew Brees was out the previous two years. That's why I've been cautious on them is because I feel like that's just not a way to live over the course of a full season. And we'll see if that comes into play, uh, you know, in future weeks here. But I would say that they're not going to have a lot of game scripts like that over the course of the season where no. they can just turtle and, you know, run for a few yards at a time to play really slow. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're a tricky team because I do believe their offensive line and defense line are good. Um, the Panthers, I thought, like, you know, I've been high on their defense being good, and, you know, it's tough to give them a litmus test against a rookie quarterback and a, a bad offensive line like the Jets were, uh, but they were aggressive. You know, they were yeah. able to create a lot of pressure. That's one of the things I like about them is they just have a lot of, of mo young, movable pieces that could just be a lot better and make a jump all at once, and if they do, then it's scary. Uh, so I'm really curious to see that what they do in week two because if they're able to generate pressure unlike the Packers were then you might start to see some of those potential mistakes that we've seen from James Winston and Winston did throw one bad interception I called back that would have maybe kept the Packers alive there was a point in that game where like the Packers were still kind of as bad as it was going it was like 17 to 3 and then Rodgers threw that bad interception uh you know uh that kind of came back and then that, that kind of iced the game uh but I think that the uh Panthers defense is, is something I'm still a little more upside. I think I can get a little more pressure, maybe force some of these maybe mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's definitely a game. I think the Panthers are definitely a team that are drawing as a live underdog, especially at home. Uh, could be surprised. We're going to be a little high in the Saints week one, not giving the Panthers really the full credit because it was the Jets. Uh, although I want to talk to you about a little bit about the Panthers and just how you came away. As much as it worked in week one and they got this win, like it still was a feeling of there needed to be more offensively. Like they're like, they should have won that game kind of going away. And they let the jets kind of hang around because they weren't allowed to just sustain enough drives and, you know, really produce enough like big plays. They had the big play to Robbie Anderson, but it was a lot of 
underneath stuff, a lot of quick passing. It was almost like they were doing the same thing the Saints did, but in a different way, right? Like the Saints did a lot of things to protect Jameis Winston. It kind of felt like the Panthers were doing a lot of things to protect Sam Darnold, uh, even though he threw 35 passes in a weird way. I know it sounds weird because he threw 35 passes, but it just – it, there was something just off about the Panthers offense uh, that just didn't sit right with me against that Jets defense. So they're going to have a, a little bit of a tough match. No, no more Sean Lattimore this week, but uh, I, I, that's something I want to see them going forward to is how Sam Darnold plays against some of these better defenses as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, uh, Sam Darnold was on the Jared Goff plan. You can again, win that way against bad defenses and, and we'll see what that does against the better ones. And if, that can sustain the entire season. Like I, I'm not totally sure it can. I did not come away impressed with Darnold. I came away impressed with what they were trying to get Darnold to do and live the way they did to, you know, keep the ball moving. Um, I think Joe Brady did the best he could. Um, you know, Darnold had that one really nice pass to DJ Moore uh, down that left sideline. Uh, that a was sweet grab too. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a really nice play. Like the, the touchdown to Robbie Anderson that, I mean, kind of replacement level throw because it's as about as open as you can get. If, if you missed that throw, I think we're, that's more concerning than it is good that he hit the throw. Um, then his other deep pass was, uh, was another open one to board down, down that right sideline. Um, then when you look at what he did in the intermediate, uh, level of the field, he was, 0 for 7 on passes that traveled 11 to 19 air yards. And you just, you, you can't live that way if you're not taking advantage of the intermediate uh, part of the field. Um, and Darnold was the only quarterback last year to have negative EPA on intermediate throws. And like, that's, that's not a coaching thing. You, you, as bad as Adam Gase was, and you want to do that, like you, you don't, get coached into negative EPA uh, in the intermediate level. Like Darnold just, that's an area where he struggles. That's one of the most effective areas of the field. So if you can't take advantage of that, especially against a Jets secondary that that has nothing to really defend uh, to that level. And you just saw so much of his production. Uh, it was, you know, off play action and designed to get, you know, Christian McCaffrey out to the flats. And you just, I'm not sure you're going to be able to sustain uh, an offense in that way. And you're, you're just going to have to spring so many more open receivers down the field. Uh, and I'm just, uh, I'm not sure if that's going to uh, be able to be sustained. And I just, yeah, it, it Sam Darnold looked like kind of some of the, the worst best versions of Jared Goff, uh, I think in that game, um, when everything was designed to make it as easy as possible, there were no difficult throws there and the difficult throws he did have to try to make, uh, weren't completed. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I think if there was, you know, some better quarterback play, I think the Panthers probably should have ran away with that game and, and they just, they couldn't. And I think that's going to be on the quarterback and that's something that the Panthers are going to have to figure out, uh, as they, uh, continue to go through this game. Cause like you said, that, that defense was good. That defense was exciting uh they were doing some uh, fun things in pressure the coverage held up really well um there was you know some good things from jc horn there were some good things from jeremy chan like all of these pieces that we were excited about i think showed why we should be excited about them and i just think that it feels like this quarterback is going to be what potentially holds the back yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited for that game uh, as well. Like, you know, the, the NFC South is kind of a, uh, behind the Bucks is kind of a mystery bag, right? <laughs> like it's, it's a real yeah. big mystery bag. <laughs> 
uh, except for except for the Falcons. I think we have figured out. What yeah, the well, Falcons what, what's are. your level of concern between the Falcons and the Titans offenses right now? Man, they both. Let me ask you something about the Titans to spin this off because they didn't run a lot of play action. I want to get you because you you're more educated on this stuff than I am. So they didn't run a lot of play action, but they did try to run play action early in the game, and Tannehill just got smoked on the two play action dropbacks. Yeah, was did was it a lack of them running play action by design, or was it a byproduct of what how the game started and them saying we can't pass protect if we go play action? I, I think or it do was we a know? Little, yeah, I think it was a little <laughs> bit of both. I I would think after you know looking back on that game because yeah they they did try it and like there was just keeping Brian Tannehill back in the pocket. Like that was, um, you know, that, uh, that Cardinals front was not. We did talk up. about their defensive front potentially being able to save the back end a little bit. And it happened for one week. Yeah. But did they, but also I, I don't want to go too far into the Cardinals conversation, but the back end was also really good. <laughs> um, like we talked about these, these corners that, you know, we have no idea like who they are or whether they'd be starting for other teams, but like, the secondary played really well. Like they were holding up in coverage. I think Byron Murphy had three passes defense. Like they were staying tight on these guys. But of course, it is easier when you know Chandler Jones has has a, a season worth of sacks uh, in the opening week. Uh, but you know everyone was getting it to the quarterback. So I think Tennessee's offensive line is going to be a problem if they don't have confidence in that holding up. Like I don't think under Todd Downing, they were going to have such a high rate of play action. Like they probably weren't going to lead the league again, but obviously like, I don't think they're going to be running it 10% going forward either, but they do have to find themselves in situations where play action works, right? When uh, you're, you're getting blitzed and uh, you're down by 17, the play action probably is not going to be the best option for your offense. So, uh, but we might be seeing uh, the Titans in a lot more situations uh, where they are, you know, getting blitzed and down by 17. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I, that I that would, defenses. yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the defense is, is exactly what we thought it was going to be. Um, and then if the offense can't keep up, uh, that's going to be a big issue for the Titans. I, right now, the, the entire AFC South is just so, I, I don't know what we're, what we're going to be looking at here um, because, you know, it, you would, you, the hope was with the Titans that, even if as some of the other things couldn't work, like you have AJ Brown, you have Julio Jones and those guys can get open and they struggled to get open consistently uh, against the Cardinals. And maybe the Cardinals defense, I mean, the Cardinals defense is good, right? They were top 10 in DVOA last year. They've been a pretty good defense, but you know, the, the secondary was what we had concerns about. Uh, but it, so if you can't, you know, figure out how to get open or even, you know, create separation uh, against that secondary. Uh, that's absolutely a, a concern going forward. Yeah. And they're going now on the road to Seattle, who had one another one of those good, impressive starts to coaching staff. And I mean, they have, you know, Pete's didn't change, but, you know, uh, Shane Waldron's first kind of, you know, foray into, you know, running an offense was worked out really well. You know, we saw Seattle kind of do, I saw Kevin Clark comped it to the Houston Rockets offense where they, it was layups, it was dunks or three pointers. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, we, cause a lot of people probably look at the box score and they say, Oh, typical Seattle game, 23 pass attempts, Russ was efficient, you know, walk, walk away. Uh, but you know, if you saw it, they, they did a lot of stuff where they got the ball out of Russ's hands quick to the perimeter. He threw 14 passes, uh, behind line of scrimmage or short of 10 yards. And then he also had the highest rate of 20 yard throws 
in the NFL. Jordan Love had hired, but it was because he came in and whatever was just chucking around, chucking around <laughs> the yard for no reason. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was there was another one, another one where we wanted to see the Seattle offense what it was going to look like, and for at least week one, they passed the test with flying colors, and now they get this defense that we just talked about in week two. Uh, so pretty good start here for the Seattle. They're set up to open the season pretty strong. Yeah, man, I think there's so much of what Seattle did is exactly what we wanted to see. There were those nice plays to the tight end, right? A couple nice throws to, to Gerald Everett that got the middle of the field work. And I think we saw Wilson throw to the, you know, short and intermediate middle of the field really more than, you know, he has in the past. And if that's something they're going to work around, like we wondered if that was the chicken or the egg thing. Does uh, Russell Wilson not like throwing to that area or does, is that area just not game planned for Seattle? And I think we saw it was game planned a little more. So there was opening there. And then, you know, when you have Tyler Lockett who can do Tyler Lockett things and you have DK Metcalf, who's still doing DK Metcalf things. I think one of the, the real uh, cool things was there was uh, one play to Metcalf um, where he, you know, had that vertical sim and then he, you know, broke off and had one of those comebacks and that created like 10 yards of separation uh, for him. And it was just free yards for him to be able to catch the ball and then turn around and have some yards after the catch. So if that is another element they can add to that offense uh, when you have defenses and secondaries just completely terrible of DK Metcalf running past them. And now he's adding those, you know, those, um, uh, the comebacks and stuff uh, off of those routes. I think that's, you know, a huge thing that they can have just some easy throws uh, that are going to ha- not just not be contested. Uh, so I think you just have all of those, you know, they were using more play action. They were using a little bit more motion and everything there, I think just worked out exactly how you would want it to do. And if that's what this offense is going to be, and it's going to continue to progress going forward, then I think Seattle is is going to be a real fun team to watch on offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You got anything else? Anything else you want to touch on here? Uh, Eagles, maybe? Yeah, we can talk about the Eagles. That was... It could be quick, but... Yeah. yeah. I, it, so, Jalen Hurts wasn't asked to do a lot, but that's a significant improvement from last year when he was asked to do the impossible, <laughs> right? Last year, he had the <laughs> highest average depth of target. It was only throws deep down the sideline. Like he had the lowest expected completion percentage of any quarterback. Like we talked about that a bunch, um, you know, and this year in the opening game, uh, there were a lot of screens that, that helped him out. A lot of, you know, short passes uh, across the, you know, the, the middle of the field, Um uh, the the touchdown pass to Devontae Smith was really nice uh, that they started off with, and then he didn't really have to do much after that. Uh, but I think it was just an offense that was designed to make the quarterback's job easier, and that is a significant upgrade yes. uh, over what <laughs> Philadelphia was doing last year. So I think there, there's a lot to like. Um, you know, you're obviously they're going to need uh, to do a little more uh, when they're not playing the Falcons right. uh, <laughs> in, in other games. But I think there was just a, a clear plan of what they want to do to make the job easier for Jalen Hurts, um, to have him hit places where he was able to, you know, have success. And we just, we didn't see that in the four games he played last year. Um, kind of felt like I, you know, when they had given up by that point, like just, you can't just, you can't run an offense on go routes down the sideline. Uh, we saw that. And so, uh, I'm not expecting, uh, Jalen Hurts's, uh, a dot to be like 3.7 for the rest of the season, but for that game, that's all they needed. So uh, I think that's, that's a, a, absolutely a sign of optimism going forward. 
Yeah, and I'm curious to see how it plays out this week, you know, against the 49ers. And the 49ers, are they're such a hard team to take a lot from in week one, just the way the weird game script played out. But, you know, with D'Amico Ryan's taking over, you know, you talked about all summer how much more aggressive they were going to be in terms of blitz. And they did not blitz really at all against the Lions. Um, only the Eagles and Steelers blitz less, a uh, fewer rate than they did in week one. So I'm curious to see what they do. They probably, you don't want to send blitzes at a, at a mobile quarterback anyways, but we'll see what, kind of what happens. The Dean Pease tried, uh, you know, of course, because what Dean Pease does. Uh, but I'm curious to see how it kind of fits, you know, this kind of matchup and especially losing Jason Verrett now and having to, you know, scramble. Yeah. They, they already had brought Josh Norman in a week ago and they'll play and they add Drake or Patrick. So they're going to try a little bit of like veteran band-aids on the back end. Um, but the 49ers really in terms of, of defensive approach played similar style of defense they did under Robert Slaw. So uh, be real curious to see if there really is a, a, you know, kind of an offensive change there um, in week two, because I mean, it's hard to take a lot away from the second half of that line game, especially the fourth quarter. because it was just so bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) That, that, yeah, that, that it was. Um, I yeah, I don't even know what to say uh, about that, that Lions game. Maybe, Dan Campbell will have the, the Lions be be a little friskier, which, you know, if if the Lions are at least entertaining to watch in some fashion, I think that, that's a win for us <laughs> um, because uh, they had not been in the past. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see there. But, yeah, the, the 49ers are going to be interesting because, again, like you said, the, the defense is putting pieces together and trying to figure out even what pieces they have right now. And then on offense – that I don't know what, what is what is Kyle Shanahan doing um you know we found Trey Sermon inactive um you know, because apparently he was just you know the clear like number three or four guy and then Raheem Moser goes down and then Elias Mitchell has a huge game um and then we find out you know our Brandon Ayuk is running as like the number three or four guy behind Trent Sherfield which Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely something ancillary going on that we're yeah, not privy would, to. Yeah, you would, <laughs> you would think, but you know, who knows? I mean, they were still able to put up points. The the Trey Lance package was fun for um, what it was. Uh, so, uh, uh, one more stat I pulled up after. Well, the Eagles did to... flip. Their defense did what we thought too. They did not blitz. They, they, you know, they weren't aggressive. They did what we thought under Jonathan Gannon, play a little more shell coverage. And it was the Falcons. They were able to just get, they were another team that just got home with four so regular in week one that it just wrecked the other team's game plan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we'll see what, what that does and whether, you know, and the Eagles have, you know, such a good defensive front too. So I'm real interested to see how that's going to work against, you know, the, the, the run game of, of San Francisco, because uh, that'll, you know, if, they can uh, disrupt that. And I think you know, we're going to, you know, see, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo in, you know, some more um, obvious past situations, which he didn't really have to be put in here. So I think, and then we'll, we'll see whether the, the Trey Lance package gets expanded. I think there's, there's a lot of fascinating things to watch uh, for this new San Francisco offense as, as it uh, develops uh, throughout the season. And if, you know, we have to ask Garoppolo to to do a, a little more if, you know, that starts to, you know, make the seat a little hotter, um, you know, make the leash a little shorter. Um, so I'm really interested to see uh, what what this Eagles defense uh, can do, because, again, I think that's that's a better unit uh, than I think a lot of people were expecting uh, heading into the season. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think that that hits it. Uh, we 
yeah, I, I think we we hit all all of the interesting games. Uh, I mean, one other one move for is I mean Rams Colts. I just I really like what the Rams did. I mean, I I wrote about it uh, for the site. The Matthew Stafford didn't have to do a lot, but he was also kind of the reason. Uh, there were just plays that they ran out that just that weren't available in the playbook uh, with Jared Goff. Um, and I think the way they opened up some of the offense for Matthew Stafford uh, is going to be really fun uh, going forward. And I think Stafford was as big of a part of him, you know, having these wide open wide receivers as, you know, Sean McVay dialing them up is. So to say that like Goff was able to hit open receivers in the Rams offense, who I think is a little disingenuous uh, in how well Stafford played and his part in being the reason they could have some of those plays like that, that deep shot touchdown to Van Jefferson, like that's just not an option with Jared Goff. Um, as I, I, I wrote in the piece, um, Jared Goff had the most boots to the left of any quarterback in the league over his three years with Sean McVay. Zero of those attempts went 20 air yards. And Matthew Stafford's third play from scrimmage <laughs> with the Rams uh, was a boot to the left that you know, went you know, 50 yards in the air and went for a 60 yard touch, 67 yard touchdown. So uh, there's just, there's so many elements at play um, and this Colts team just might be a complete wreck. Uh, so I think we, we might see some, some more wide open uh, receivers here um, with, uh, with the Rams. So, uh, and uh, you know, looking at their schedule, I'm not sure they're going to be, um, you know, they have the bucks, I think in week, three or four. Um, so that's going to be the first time they're really tested, but yeah, next week not... Rams bucks looks hot. It looks hot on paper. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Had a, and, had a look ahead. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but then outside of that, they're not going to be tested by like a lot of really good secondaries I, you know, against, oh, you know, maybe the Cardinals are a little better um, and we'll see that when they have to play them twice. Um, but uh, I, there was what I saw from the Rams in that first game. Uh, there were a lot of, pieces that is just like yeah this is going to work it's already very clear why Matthew Stafford is such an upgrade over Jared Goff and uh, I think what the quarterback can do is going to be a huge piece of that offense going forward so that that's one more thing I'm, I'm looking forward to as well, we go ahead I say yeah I'm here for the confirmation bias if you read the all of our stuff this offseason that it was going to be a big year for Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby so I'm just here for the confirmation bias of week one that it was those two guys uh you know, kind of getting the elevation from, you know, Matthew Stafford and the new speed and the elements this offense is going to have. So I'm just going to take my week one, you know, sip of tea that Cooper Cup, I had him ranked over Robert Woods and everything. So we'll see if there's still six, 15 more games, there's 16 more games to, to turn that around. But I'm going to take the week one, you know, stroll on that one. And I, I just, I kind of think everyone's just going to get involved uh, in this new Rams offense. Like we saw a nice play to Jason Jackson, like a, a crosser on a, like a four by one set out of empty. Um, that was a, a lot of fun. So Robert Woods get a, a carry from the backfield uh, from split back. Um, yeah. I think that was like the, the I think the Rams are just going to, it looks like they're having fun here. And I, I think that's going to be what happens going forward. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be really you know, fun to watch. I think that every piece of this Rams offense is going to be uh, have some, have some nice fantasy weeks uh, throughout the season. So I think we can end it there. I think we, we hit all, all the good games. You can read all our work on sharp football analysis.com. Uh, if you have not read the worksheet yet, uh, Again, not sure how you're doing uh, fantasy, the football league, without uh, reading the worksheet. You can find all of Rich's content uh, there at the site. Your rankings are up. You can you know, get those fantasy packages. Again, um, you can use the code SHARP25 for 25% off any product uh, site-wide. Uh, so you can find Rich on Twitter at 
or Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.